0: This episode was originally recorded in December 2021. You are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Down. welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we started this one saying that the intended audience is everyone. So today we're going to be speaking with our special guest, uh, Dr. Daniel Chan on what his role is in the pharmacy technology and informatics world. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Daniel. How are you doing?
1: Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to get to share uh, kind of my role and uh, see how, how, what other people do up to you.
0: Yeah, and actually, this, uh, this is just one of those other... For me, it's, it's really interesting because um, your practice is in uh, Ontario and Canada. So it's it's different than, you know, where I'm practicing in the US. So I, I'm really like excited to kind of talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of differences.
0: Yeah. Um, but, you know, before we begin talking about some of the more detailed topics, can you kind of tell the listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So I um, am born and raised in Toronto in Canada. I uh, studied my undergraduate at, at a smaller city outside of Toronto um, in Hamilton uh, at McMaster University. I did an undergrad uh, degree there for four years. And then I switched over to, or I graduated and then I did a four-year degree. Uh, back then, it was the Bachelor of Science of Pharmacy at U of T. Um, and to make the story a little bit more interesting, at the towards the tail end, of so the third slash fourth year of that uh, degree, they were actually planning to switch the degree over to a PharmD to kind of mirror what the US was doing, and so that kind of left us in a bit of a bind because I was graduating with the Bachelor of Science of Pharmacy, but here now all these graduates after me would have the PharmD. So what they offered our class was that uh, a certain number, uh, if you applied and were accepted, uh, could do the post baccalaureate PharmD. So it was a little bit different. Uh, it's a two-year post bacc PharmD. Uh, so you were expected to finish your farm, your bachelor of science and then go to the PharmD typically. But what they were offering us was that you could do, you could start the post-bac PharmD in your fourth year, have two sets of course loads, and then finish your PharmD in the, the extra year. So you'd have kind of over five years, you'd have the bachelor of science of pharmacy and the PharmD. Um, so that's what I actually ended up doing. So uh, a bit more schooling, two degrees coming out of it. But in both cases, actually, I didn't have any informatics information at all about pharmacy informatics. I didn't learn anything about that. Um, So that's a little bit of background about uh, before going into what I do now. After graduating from that program uh, and obtaining both degrees, I was actually hired at where I'm working right now at North York General Hospital, which is a a community teaching hospital in Toronto, uh, in Canada. Um, And when I was hired, I originally spent the first four years as an inpatient clinical pharmacist. Uh, I covered general medicine, geriatrics, rest uh, neurology and psychiatry. And towards the latter half of my four years, I uh, dealt primarily in psychiatry and mental health and then after those four years I was offered an opportunity to kind of switch over to the pharmacy systems team and so I applied and I enjoyed it and I've been there for the past three years.
0: That's awesome that's that's a cool journey that you had and um, actually just a little just to back up a little bit I guess like I'm, I'm curious about like uh, you know why you decided on deciding on pharmacy just in general as a career path. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So that's an interesting story too. I think, so I, after I finished my four-year degree, I didn't really know what I was going into. Uh, I, I didn't have any plans. I kind of just had an inkling that, you know, I want to work in the healthcare field. I want to be someone who is helping people in that, in the, in that area and using my critical thinking and clinical skills in that set. Um, I actually come from a family of pharmacists. So both my parents actually are pharmacists. Uh, they own an independent store, uh, retail store uh, in Toronto. And my brother's a pharmacist as well, although he's younger. He, so he, uh, I say he followed my footsteps. And so we're a family, we're a whole family of pharmacists. And so it kind of made sense to me when I was applying for other things, I applied to a bunch of things. But when I got into pharmacy school, I kind of just went with it. I went ahead. And it was just something that kind of really felt natural in a sense, because I had worked in my parents' store. I had been able to experience firsthand kind of what a pharmacist does in the retail side from, from a clinical, a technical perspective, a retail perspective. So I, so that's kind of what led me to going to pharmacy school, actually, is I kind of stumbled into it more and kind of just went with the flow rather than, you know, I wasn't one of those people where uh, I really wanted to, you know, this had to be my be all end all was Supposed to go to pharmacy. So it was a bit, of a, a bit of a trial and error, let's say.
0: So, you know, like now that you're in the, the informatics kind of like IT related side of it, um, I, I guess like I'm curious, like since you said your parents are both pharmacists, did they really know anything about that field? And I guess what do they think about your, your role now?
1: Yeah, that's really funny. Uh, so they don't know. I don't think, they, definitely when, when they were in school, they didn't know anything about informatics. They didn't know anything about um, technology, aside from, you know, having to use technology. Like, so they have a Kroll system at their pharmacy. Aside from having to use the technology, they didn't really, really understand or recognize that there was probably someone, a pharmacist on the other end, designing that technology. And so when I went to the position, they kind of like, really? Uh, what did you do? Are you sure you want to give up your clinical side? And those were kind of the main things, because all they had lived through was, you know, the clinical and the retail side. And so when I switched over, it, it was, you know, it was new to me, and it was new to them. And I think even to this day, they kind of don't really know what I do. Uh, I tell them, you know, I work with the technology and the equipment surrounding pharmacy and what I, and everything in the pharmacy. And it kind of made sense. But I, I don't think I still don't think necessarily they know exactly what I do. But I try to explain it as best I can. And they, they've just come to terms with it. And they they're very proud of me. Um, and uh, so so it's, it's it's worked out well, I, they're not in any way you know upset I didn't be, take over the uh, business or anything like that.
0: Okay I mean you also have your your brother who's also a pharmacist too right?
1: That's right he he, he is actually uh, taking over the business so he actually uh, has become a retail pharmacist although I, I yeah I think he enjoys both the clinical aspect and the retail side of things.
0: Awesome so so before we kind of get into a little bit more about informatics I think it's, uh, it's also important for the listeners who may not know how the practice is in Canada to kind of talk a little bit about that? Um, I guess, like, can you kind of describe a little bit about how the scope of practice is for a pharmacist in, in your area?
1: That's a, that's a good question. I, I'm probably not the best person to ask this, but I will discuss that. I, I will say that kind of the workflow for our inpatient pharmacists, and this will differ between the provinces in Canada, because every province kind of has its own Scope. I'm not quite sure in the U.S. if the states all have their own scope. I suspect it might be similar. Um, but here in our hospital, for example, our inpatient pharmacists they're responsible for doing the best possible um, medication history. They'll help out with the um, uh, medication administration reconciliation to make sure home meds are reordered. They don't do it themselves uh, here, but they help the physicians do it. And and every hospital is a little bit different as well. And in terms of our school pr- practice, we have certain policies and guidelines that kind of tell us when we can automatically switch medications we have auto sub policies but we also have some uh, adaptation policy where we can uh, of our own kind of skills set and knowledge switch medications without a use of a uh, policy in the hospital I, I think what's really tricky is that if you were to ask a inpatient pharmacist about their scope it would be quite different than the retail because we just have so many other policies and guidelines to kind of guide us. Versus in the in the retail side, for example, some of the new expanded scope is administering immunizations. It's um, being able to adapt and extend prescriptions uh, without the uh, physician kind of input, but we do communicate with our physicians, of course, when we do those kind of things. So it's going to be different for different people.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh, pretty interesting. So it's it's pretty similar to what we have in the States. But like you said, also, it varies kind of like institution to institution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, over here, some of the States are more strict than others for the scope. So it's it's kind of similar in that sense. Um, But yeah, I mean, like we can go into the talk about the uh, informatics IT role. So can you kind of describe your specific role at your institution and what, what you kind of do on your day to day?
1: Yeah, I I think my official role, my I think my official role is a clinical application specialist. But that that term is actually kind of spread around uh, several people in the hospital. In our pharmacy department, we're we're typically called the pharmacy systems team. We basically are a team of 5 people. We have one manager, two pharmacists and two technicians. And what it feels like and and they uh, come, commonly call us the systems team or the systems pharmacists for short. Um, And what it feels like is it's kind of like a mix of systems administration for various technologies and equipment, uh, kind of pharmacy informaticist in part, a little bit of project management, and a little bit of DUI, DI mixed together, Uh, even though we have a dedicated DI, DUE DUE pharmacist, and we have a dedicated, we actually have dedicated um, clinical informatics pharmacist on the IT side. So it's kind of a mixed role, a mixed bag. And so I kind of wear uh, many hats, as well as my colleagues wear many hats um, in the hospital. We are pretty much responsible for anything technology and equipment related to medications across the hospital and within the pharmacy. So we're talking a very broad number of things. So the electronic health records, we are we're a Cerner site, for example, um, our automated dispensing units. Uh, we have RFID technology for our medications. We do unit dose packaging and checking systems, any barcoding label systems. Uh, we deal with sterile compounding software, TPN compounding, so- compounding software. Uh, and then, and the kind of more basic things like um, designing sterile and non-sterile compounding worksheets, uh, and of course, the big thing is often uh, integrating all those technologies together to speak to one another. So that, that's often a challenge for us to be kind of managing all those things.
0: Yeah, I I could relate to the integration side. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm going to assume, which I'm I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to assume that your your TPN software is a flat file integration
1: so actually our tpn is not currently integrated we actually have it as a a discrete system yeah it's on its own network it's actually off the grid entirely Um, so we haven't gone there yet it it is something that we have on our kind of uh, roadmap we ideally want to but we only just recently introduced iv compounding software to our chemo pharmacy team and we're discussing moving that down to our uh, inpatient side
0: i see so you start in the chemo side first for that
1: they decided to start on the chemo side, it, it ended up being kind of a, when we compared the risk benefit uh, and cost benefit, it seemed to be best to pilot it out to the chemo side first before bringing it to the inpatient. Of course, the inpatient has a lot more, uh, a lot broader kind of workflow and they have to care, deal with all different kinds of products whereas chemo is a little bit more specified i mean chemo is of course its own huge field but they kind of were able to create a workflow that fit them a little bit better and it's a little bit more narrow in scope in terms of the workflow versus the inpatient side you know there was a several different workflows depending what products we were talking about so i think they decided to do uh, an iv compounding software there first and then the discussion is ongoing about bringing it back into the inpatient side
0: i see i see and And so in your role, like you did mention about project management and kind of like moving projects along. I I was wondering, are you also part of discussions when a new kind of vendor gets selected? Like, do you also review the vendors?
1: So I don't think we necessarily review the vendors. I think it really depends on what we're discussing. So if you're talking about picking an EHR vendor, uh, that's probably going to be more on the IT uh, informatics side. We probably get involved into in terms of the discussion about what where they're going and what we need to do uh, to support that. Um, but if you're talking about, for example, an ADU disp- uh, vendor, we probably have a little bit more say. Uh, our RFID Uh, technology for example we probably had a big say in terms of which vendor we went with although you have to remember that in canada the number of vendors is is a lot smaller than than in the u.s
0: okay so so i guess like when you're looking at um those like kind of pharmacy operation specific technology and you do kind of review the vendors what kind of things are you um are you weighing against uh the vendors like each other you know
1: yeah i i think that to be fair i think a lot of that vendor discussion probably is above me i would say that When the leadership has chosen a vendor or has kind of decided that this is the company we want to go with, we're probably the ones who do more of the beta testing. So we'll bring in the product and we'll... Test it out, see how it works. If we have any issues or concerns, uh, does it save time? What do we think from the technician or or pharmacist front uh, line perspective? So we probably do a little bit more of that and then feed that back up to my manager and my director. And then they kind of make a decision whether we bring this new technology and equipment in or we decide, you know, this is not the right one. Maybe we go with someone else or maybe the technology itself is not something we want to carry uh, in-house.
0: I see. I see. And then, uh, you know, earlier you also talked about the structure of your team and you have like two technicians, two pharmacists in your team, uh, mm-hmm. plus your manager. And then you said there's also pharmacists on the informatics side. So right. in terms of like, after, you know, when you, you implement these rules, you implement these, um, these formats for like ordering and you know, order sets, who's doing the education? Is it you or is it, you know, someone else is involved with that?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, that's a great question. Uh, it's often a combination, probably, and it depends on what the project scope is, I would say. So, for example, today we were, or perhaps for, I should say for the past few months, we've been discussing a lot of the new medications that need to be added for COVID um, and a lot of MIBs and MABS. And so we, the P&T committee, the Pharmacy and Therapeutics, will often approve. And then from there, it kind of comes into our team to initiate the build and design in uh, Cerner. Uh, and then we liaise with, after we've done initial design, we liaise with our uh, IT colleagues and they do some back end work on fi- kind of finalizing. And it goes back and forth between the two of us. From there, then our team will take continue that work and we may need to build it, depending on what kind of product it is, we may need to build uh, it into the ADU system. We need, may need to build it into RFID technology, our unit dose packaging. We may need to, we do definitely need to do barcoding um, and integrating all of that um, to make the drug kind of a, a complete product. From an education perspective, it's generally probably emails. It really depends on, on what's going on with this project. Like, are we getting our CPOE pharmacist involved, which I should say is also uh, not part of our team, but works closely with us. Usually there's there's a lot of educational emails that says, hey, this got passed and FYI, this is how you order it and kind of things like that. So it, it's really varied. I, I don't know if there's, um. it's it, sometimes it's us, sometimes it's uh, our IT team sometimes it's a combination we do a joint email and say hey this is what's new this is how to how to use it uh, so it really depends on each project
0: yeah and I ask because it's interesting for me to, to kind of like understand that with different organizations because like for me I've worked at two different organizations and they handle education very differently
1: yeah, and, and education is a big thing because if you don't provide that a really robust but also concise and comprehensive education then anything you deploy is just kind of going to sit there on the shelf and, and nothing will happen, or it'll be misused. Uh, and, and, you know, people will get complaints because, hey, how come it's not doing what I think it is? And, and the reality was the education wasn't provided about its context and its purpose. Uh, so yeah, education is really important. And who quarterbacks that education is, is sometimes a topic of dis, uh, of, of uh, contention, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think the other thing too, is like kind of like knowing that threshold on whether education is needed versus not.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, honestly, an FYI email is just as powerful as, you know, having to go to the floors and talk to people, right? It really depends on what you're rolling out and what you want to achieve.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's it's always like, yeah, I always have that issue too. like, when I'm working on something, and I'm integrating or implementing something, it's always like, wait, should I? Is this something I need to talk to education about? Like, because we, yeah, because we have like some dedicated pharmacy educators, yeah. and some things are just like, well, this is now just you know this new alert that they're going to see that tells them what to mm-hmm. do. So, do mm-hmm. we need education on that? So it's it's always like a balancing act, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's really a good point, and stakeholders like figuring out who your stakeholders are. I, I think that's also something. When I kind of came into this role, because uh, I was coming from an inpatient clinical side, I was more worried about okay. What's what's today's set of problems? What are today's set of, of, of issues that I need to deal with? How do I put up the fires? And I go about it kind of one after the other and, and just what's the quickest way to solve this problem? But when you talk about like an IT role or a systems role, you need to take a step back and say, okay, well, if what is the problem actually? You kind of look upstream and say, Okay, is the problem coming from further away? Is it is it am I really looking at the right problem? Is it something else that's been causing causing this these things that I'm just looking at the symptom? And then you need when you propose your solution, you have to look downstream. You have to think, okay, well, sure, the solution I propose, it may affect, it may fix the, the problem I'm having now. But what other problems may I be causing down the line? How will it change how people view the EHR or, or the system? And then, of course, uh, as I mentioned before, and you mentioned before, stakeholders, like, who else is involved? Like, uh, you know, sometimes we think the pro- the problem is, is uh, situated just within pharmacy or just within IT. Um, but you look around and you're like, okay, well, actually, nursing is involved, you know, physicians need to be involved, um, you know, other allied health, other, you know, maybe it's, uh, health records needs to be involved. Like, it, 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 it's so interesting to kind of take a step back and say, hey, who else is, is going to be impacted? And who do I need to get on the, t- at the table to give me some input about whether this is the right thing to do or not?
0: Yeah. And you, you mentioned something I wanted to also expand on is uh, how your perspective was uh, very different because you came from the clinical side. And, you know, you said you've been working on the clinical staff for like four years, I believe. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how did that inform you on like, your role today in the informatics or in the application specialist uh, role?
1: Yeah, I think um, with that kind of being an inpatient pharmacist, it really helped me because I had lived through and understood, you know, how does a pharmacist think? How does an inpatient pharmacist uh, prioritize their day? What are the the immediate flags that come up to my mind when I look at an order? Um, that, That kind of practical experience, it's hard to get if you just try to go immediately to informatics, I think, from a, from a pharmacy student perspective. Um, so those those four years and some of the processes are very unique, right? So there are differences and there are uh, uniquenesses about each kind of unit. So mental health, for example, does a lot of passes. And so passes are a big time consumer uh, of their workflow and their workload. And optimizing that is really important for them. Whereas other floors, you know, they don't do that many passes. That's not, that's not a really important issue to them. But I think really what one of the big things is, is can you think like how an inpatient pharmacist thinks? Because when you're designing and when you're, when you're making these new builds and you're working on optimizations and workflow improvements, you really need to have that kind of frontline perspective to figure out, is this going to work for for our frontline staff? Or are they really going to hate this? Are they going to find this so cumbersome, so inconvenient that you're going to get so much pushback that you're going to have to go back to the drawing board? Um, So I think that really helped me um, to really push projects and and provide advice and and kind of design things that I thought made sense. I will say, though, at the same time, sometimes it's a drawback because, as I mentioned, I was used to putting out fires and I had to learn to say, okay, maybe this isn't the problem. Maybe this is a symptom of a further upstream problem that we haven't addressed. Maybe it's a workflow situation, um, not even the pharmacist's problem. It's actually, you know, uh, at the point of ordering the medication. So that was really kind of it it helped me as being a frontline pharmacist. And I I do think it is beneficial if you're planning to do informatics to have an understanding of how the frontline pharmacists work and and function and think. But it did have some drawbacks because, you know, that was all I was used to. I didn't I didn't really know uh, about uh, informatics because I in my formal education. I had no no education. I didn't do any rotations in informatics. And so those kind of concepts of taking a step back, uh, thinking about stakeholders, all that was kind of new to me at the time.
0: I see, I see, but I mean, like, it's it's good because you have actually have that experience of you know being a pharmacist on the staff, and then also you you stay in the same um, organization, right? When you moved into the uh, yes,
1: yes, that's right, yeah. So so
0: that's also another benefit because you're not moving to a completely different organization, right? Exactly,
1: and and I think that that also. Influences their hiring decision because you know if you hire someone externally, then you have to reteach them the entire system. You have to teach them how their their pharmacists work. It's a it's a lot harder, Um, and so it's tough if you're trying to get into the role uh, from outside perspective. uh, That's a lot more difficult, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you know, speaking about getting into the role, like for you, how did you transition from the the uh, pharmacists uh, in the staff into the uh, application specialist role?
1: Mm. Uh, So that's a great question. So. I actually, much of, just like how I stumbled into pharmacy school to kind of, I kind of stumbled into this role as well. Uh, I didn't really, you know, when you go through school, they teach you how to be a clinical pharmacist and, and, and that's it, right? Like at the time anyway, sorry, I should say for my education at the time when I graduated in 2014, the, you, you learned everything about clinical and how to be a clinical pharmacist, and how to be the best clinical pharmacist in the world. But you didn't learn much about informatics. And so actually uh, what had happened is that uh, someone on my team, actually my current colleague was going to be on mat leave. And so there was a a contract open for one year to be her placement for a year. And I didn't, I actually didn't know anything about the role. Um, I had actually been, uh, but I did express interest about learning more. And at the time, my former um, team lead, who was a clinical team lead, had said, hey, well, you know, if you're interested it's worth trying. If you're kind of more uh, tech savvy, you like that kind of thing. And it's a short time commitment. It's a one year. Uh, if you're interested, if if you like it, you know, that's great. If you don't like it, then, you know, it's only one year and you can go back to your clinical role. So I said, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll ask a bit more about it. And so I actually went to uh, my current colleague uh, before she was about to go, Matt leave, and I asked her, you know, what is the role like? What is, what am I responsible for? What do you do? And I, I can guarantee you, she said, probably everything to be true everything was accurate but i actually to the stage cannot recall a single thing she said i think everything went over my head i just didn't have a, a grounding for it i didn't have basis around it she just you know she explained her role perfectly probably but i didn't understand any of it in any case i applied anyways i got the role um to my surprise and um I did it, enjoy it. There was a lot to learn, a whole lot to learn. Um, and I felt like probably the first like three to six months I was just learning. And then kind of three to six months I was kind of performing, but not really because I had to ask a bunch of questions. And before you knew it, one year was over. And I was actually offered a permanent role to stay in the team uh, because someone had left and moved up, but I actually chose to return to clinical. So for a good five to six months, I actually returned to clinical because I missed some of the clinical aspects. Um, So they actually hired someone else and unfortunately that person didn't stick around it was just a there's some commuting issues and some family stuff and so the position opened up again and i decided you know i really had to think about you know do i want to go back to this i'm going to be living in the clinical um and even though theoretically you're, you're not truly truly leaving clinical but you are in the sense that you're not going to be practicing it every day and so I, I did end up making that decision to return to that systems role and to do that and part of why i did that is um Part of it is because I, you know, I enjoyed the clinical, I enjoyed the teaching, I enjoyed working with my physicians and and nurses on the floor. Um, I found it challenging and I found I was growing. But at the same time, this was so exciting as well, because I was able to make changes um, and and they didn't necessarily have to be big changes, but some of them were were, were pretty big changes. And I was able to impact what I felt was the entire hospital or all the pharmacists to hopefully make their lives a little better, improve patient safety kind of on a a larger hospital scale. So that to me was very exciting. And of course, it didn't hurt that uh, for for my position, anyways, uh, you didn't have to do weekends or on calls or evenings. So that that was kind of a nice perk to to, to kind of push me along there.
0: So you know, like you, you've had this pretty unique experience, and uh, one of the things I always ask uh, every every guest is, um, what kind of advice you would give to to people who are looking into getting into this role? And it, it doesn't have to be like a student uh, versus a pharmacist, just like a general, or you could also break it down to the, the type of person that's uh, looking to get into this role. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of advice can you can you give them?
1: Oh, that's that's a tough question because. Uh, well, if, if anyone's been listening, you know that I've kind of stumbled my way into this, and and I didn't really plan to uh, get into this role. What I will say is, I think I think I'll give some advice for students for for pharmacists, and then I'll give some general advice. I think, uh, I think for students, uh, the most obvious one is during your rotation, select an informatics rotation if you can find one, and if you can't find one ask your preceptor to shadow the informatics pharmacist or get involved in a pharmacists informatics project. Um, honestly, we're always looking for help, we're always short. Um, and that, even though you may be playing a small role, it gives you a p- better perspective of what that project was and how your work uh, influenced that project or affected that project. And it's really important because, I, I don't know about the US, but in Canada, we don't have uh, second year informatics residencies like the US do. So your exposure to informatics is very limited in, in um, Canada. You might get some education now. I, I remember Marie Rocky's uh, a session with you. She talked about her uh, developing that uh, informatics course. Um, but the reality is that firsthand experience is pretty rare. And so when people are looking to hire for informatics, uh, it, it's hard to find people that have like a lot of informatics experience. They, they probably won't. And so sometimes the difference between, you know, two really great pharmacists. Is that one one project or that one rotation that they happened to have when they were a student um, that could make the difference? So I, I really uh, encourage students who are interested in it, just just try it. Ask your ask your hospital if there's an informatics project you can get involved in, or even just shadowing. Um, and then I will say also that as I mentioned before, it's really important to have an understanding of the pharmacist workflow and the pharmacist mindset. Um, understand what how that what they're thinking, what's a priority. How do they look for problems? How do they solve those problems? Uh, where are the common pitfalls and gaps? Um, those are really important for a good informatics uh, pharmacist if you're a student. I think for pharmacists, um, if you're already in the patient side, um, then again, same as the students, look for opportunities to be involved in an informa- informatics project. Talk to your informatics pharmacist. Um, get an understanding of what's going on and connect how... What you do with what they're doing, right? A lot. There's a lot of connections that I had to make, you know, because when I practice as an impatient, I just kind of did things. I'm like, oh, if I do this, then this will happen. But there's a lot of backend that build and design that the informatics team does to make that work, right? Um, you know if i enter this this pop up will show up it just that's just how it works when i was was when i was frontline right but as an in informatics you kind of understand a, a better understanding of you know how does that work and that's really important to to really have a good grounding in if you want to get into informatics i think it's a lot tougher if you're coming from outside a hospital if you're coming from retail and you're trying to get into informatics especially in a hospital That's really tough. I think I've talked to some people and I've I've had some people actually come through here and kind of ask me that same question. How can I get into the role that you're in right now? And, and, you know, I'm currently working at um, a retail store. Uh, I I think it's really tough. I'm going to be honest. And um, it may require you to go back to school for a little bit to get a master's in health informatics. It may require you to go back for residency. I found in Canada the easiest path to getting into informatics, especially in a hospital, of course, is to start from the inpatient dispensary, work your way to clinical, work your way to informatics. Uh, it's not easy, especially, and this is true if you're coming from retail, you have no prior experience in informatics. It's not easy, but unfortunately, that is the, kind of the path to take. Uh, and there's, there's always, if you're willing to go out and move out of the urban area to a rural area, you may be able to find more opportunities there, build experience, either inpatient or informatics, and then try to come back into a, a, a larger city. And then in general, I'd say like for everyone, whether it's student or pharmacist, I, I think there are certain characteristics that will get you more likely to be hired or, or be successful in this role. And then the first thing is you have to be willing and you have to show initiative to learn and try new tasks that are outside of pharmacy clinical, right? I don't know about you, Tony, but when I went to this role, I learned everything. Everything was new to me. Uh, you, you didn't train for this in school, how to build drugs, how the EHR is connected to the ADU, how to design the drug in an R5D system. Everything was new to me. But I think that's that's some of the challenges and some of the exciting parts of informatics that, you know, this is new, but you're making a big impact on people who are working frontline. So the willingness and, and the ability to show initiative to, to learn and try new tasks is really big, I think, in terms of people who will succeed in this role. Um, I would also say being able to empathize, and I, I kind of harped on this a little bit, but being able to empathize with your frontline users about um, how they work and what they do and what what's important, and but also being able to step back and take a look at the bigger picture and making sure you understand from a system perspective what you're doing. And I think the last thing that is, is perhaps sometimes underrated uh, is communication skills, whether it's written, whether it's verbal, your ability to explain technical aspects to your clinical staff and vice versa. So your, your clinical needs back to your IT team or you're your translating that back to what you need to build. That's really important because... It doesn't matter how much you know. You can know everything about the technical side. You can know everything about the clinical side. But if you can't communicate that to others, you're, you're, it's kind of dead in the water. Your project is, is done for. And so, so those are kind of things that I, I kind of uh, general things that I think are important. Empath- empath- being able to empathize with your your frontline staff, being able to and willing to learn and try new things. And communicating uh, are, are kind of three things that I think are really useful.
0: Those are those are really good pieces of advice, and uh, you know I I really uh, agree with the communication part because so when I started like I I didn't know that you know there was actually a lot more interdepartmental communication, and then there's a lot of sitting in meetings and trying to discuss about like why certain things are requested a certain way. So that yeah. communication piece, yeah, that that's really important.
1: It was it was so interesting. I remember um, I had the chance. We have a separate uh, CPOE pharmacist who just does. You know, electronic order sets and power plants. And that's a lot of work. Like one person doing all that stuff is a lot of work. And I remember she had, she went on vacation and this was right before COVID. And I, I somehow, somehow got roped in to cover her for a week. And oh my gosh, like the number of meetings I had to sit into and be a part of, COVID for peds, COVID for adults, COVID for emergency, COVID for ICU, uh, I was like, and, and they just said, you know, do you just focus on the meds? And there was just so much though, like, and I, I remember there's physicians at the tables and nurses at the table, there's pharmacists at the table, and like, wow, I, I have to uh, kind of explain the technical parts. Uh, and to be honest, uh, you know, I was just covering, so I didn't even understand, to be honest, the, the full scope of, of of what they were doing. Um, but to to have to sit into all those meetings and be part of them. Uh, at one point, I was running some of the meetings and I had, had no experience, but it was it was fascinating. I mean, you know, you really need to communicate well. And even then, I, I don't think I did really well by any means, but my CPU, our CPU pharmacist is uh, phenomenal at kind of summarizing and, and explaining and, and gathering all that information and then in sending it out both in a written communication form as well as verbally in the meetings and you know super underrated skill that i think is really important for informatics which is which is funny because when you kind of the stereotypical when you kind of people think of informatics they think oh they're hidden away they they don't talk to anyone they just do their work behind a computer screen but actually no i feel like we we go to a lot more meetings than than frontline staff do actually i don't know if you feel that same way but i feel like it's it's meetings and then more work and then more meetings and then more work and then after you finish your work you still have to have a meeting to to explain what you've done and and, and that kind of thing so I, i just think it's so interesting
0: yeah and i i share the same sentiment like i i also think about like the the stereotypical thought of like what an informatics pharmacist does and then like what actually happens is like okay i have to be in this meeting from this to this and then there's a back-to-back for you know three yeah. other things and
1: it's like when yeah. do i have
0: time to do the work to so do need? the actual work right yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 i yeah. mean i
1: i'm I, we're lucky because we're a little bit because because we're focused on pharmacy we're a little bit shielded um but my colleagues on the it side who are who are pharmacists uh, as well and they're doing a clinical informatics oh man they're they're probably in meetings all day and then they're like okay well i need to i need to schedule time i need to schedule a meeting for myself to do work that, that's how intense it got um, yeah so I, I don't know if that's the same for you but they they schedule they schedule their lunch they schedule their their time to the quiet time to do work because uh, otherwise they're going to get pulled into every single meeting
0: yeah no that that's what i do too because we, we have to put it <laughs> into our calendar otherwise yeah. those those open blocks do get blocked <laughs> like so
1: yeah yeah, yeah. um
0: But yeah, uh, and you know, thanks for that advice. Uh, It was really good advice. I think for uh, anyone who's like thinking about, you know, getting into pharmacy informatics and, uh you know, if if someone had like more questions, I guess, specifically for you, what's the best way that they can reach you?
1: Yeah, the best way to reach me is is by email. So uh, my email is daniel.chan at nygh.on.ca. And I'm happy to discuss uh, all kinds of things. I I love to uh, see what other sites are doing, especially if you're a Cerner site. I love to see what you're working on. I love to to hear uh, what you're going through, the troubles. And There's always troubles and there's always room for optimization. Uh, I love talking about workflow and how people have kind of, Made things better, or even made like some small things like documentation. Even I love talking about that. And and if you've you know if you're a a, a team that's you know uh, working with new or emerging technology or equipment, love to bounce ideas, love to learn what you're and see what what's going on at other sites and how they've implemented it. Because I, I love to I just love to optimize what we're doing in the hospital to in our pharmacy department to make things kind of easier for our frontline staff. And and really the goal is to improve patient safety, to improve patient outcomes. So so I love I if you want to email me and just you know talk about something and chat about something by all means, send me an email.
0: Awesome, awesome. So um, I'll be putting that information into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out. But, you know, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again so much for you know taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show.
1: Of course, no problem. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also reach out to me at pharmacyitme.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at pharmacistconnect.com, which is P-H-I-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there. And I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is a tool,